It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show with Phil Mullinax and J.C. Sherbert. So how many of you would say you speak English fairly well, but with some difficulty? Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. You play to win the game. Now, let's take it away, J.C. and Phil. Inside the Gamecocks, the show. I'm JC Sherbert. He's Phil Molinax. Happy Monday, everyone. Hope your weekend went swimmingly. I know mine did. Had a pretty good weekend, right? Uh, so today, uh, lots to talk about. John Whittle coming on in the second hour uh, as we continue our guests uh, here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Next week will probably be a little bit more guest heavy uh, as we count down to game day. Uh, hard to believe that uh, is next week, Phil. Oh, hard to believe, but, uh, you know, couldn't get here any sooner, man. I'm ready to go. Yeah, me too. Uh, <laughs> we keep talking about the preseason wall. and uh, Oh, yeah. I've I been I'm, there. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've been there a few days now. And, uh, you know, almost to the point where I don't even like to watch preseason football anymore. I'm like, for the NFL, I'm like, ah, who cares? Yeah, I heard uh, your morning monologue this morning. I was right there yeah, with you. I'm like, you know I, what? I, yeah. yeah. I don't care who the backup quarterback is for the Rams right now or whoever. No. You know, I'm like, <laughs> who gives a crap? But, uh, you know, some high school ball has started uh, around the state of South Carolina and uh, everywhere else across the country, and that's always awesome. Uh, but we got college ball this weekend, Phil. Um, probably Nebraska-Northwestern in Dublin is the bet, the highlight show or highlight game. Oh, yeah. Of the weekend or the best possible game. Ryan Holinsky probably going to start for the Wildcats unless unless there's been some news to the contrary. That's the last thing I heard is Holinsky will start uh, for Northwestern. So I know he's got a lot of fans out there. The Gamecock fans pull for him. And uh, frankly, I like pulling for Northwestern because I like Pat Fitzgerald. He's, he actually grew up in Orland Park, which is right near uh, where I live in Illinois. So no, uh, lots of love for Pat Fitzgerald and, and the program he has. Obviously, they're a bunch of overachievers. I don't know what the hell's been wrong with Nebraska under Scott Frost. That was supposed to be a great hire, and they're terrible. <laughs> it's, be a, it's, a, it's a big year for Scott Frost either way, I think. <laughs> huge, huge, huge. Uh, a couple of Gamecock opponents are playing this weekend. Vanderbilt uh, gets the mother of all road trips. Probably UNLV would be the only other road trip I would enjoy as much as this but they're going to hawaii to open the season uh to play the, the warriors it's not the rainbow warriors anymore it's the the, the warriors uh and then um well, charlotte opens against florida atlantic yeah, we'll give so a little bit of advanced scouting yeah and, and i have to apologize to our audience because i've had a fact error my big mouth's been blabbering for the last uh, couple of weeks that north carolina opens at app state and at georgia state that's not true uh, North Carolina plays in week zero against uh, Florida A&M. So, so there is a Tar Heel game before they play. The, I, I didn't think they'd open at App State and at Georgia Tech. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, at Georgia State. Georgia State. That uh, is a tough go at, at the beginning of the year. Because you know those two. You know App State's going to be sky high with the mighty Tar Heels rolling to Boone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's crazy, really. I don't even know how they're having enough people to – uh, for visiting fans in that stadium. Um, that's A. And then B, they're going to play Sean Elliott's Georgia State Panthers right after Georgia State plays the Gamecocks down there at Turner Field, uh, or what used to be Turner Field. It's called something different now. But uh, certainly an interesting schedule for the Tar Heels. But I did notice they were playing in week one. And I was like, ooh, I've been sitting there saying blah, 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 blah. So blah, blah <laughs> on me. I had a fact error, and I apologize uh, to everyone about it. 
poll question up on thebigspur.com, also on Twitter. Uh, which true freshman will play the most in 2022? Now, Twitter will not allow me to have five selections. So only put four on Twitter. Um, Anthony Rose, Xavier Short, Nick Emanuare, and Stone Blanton on Twitter. I threw Landon Sampson and other uh, on the poll that's on thebigspur.com. So certainly uh, encourage everybody to go vote. So far, Nick Emanuare and Stone Blanton are running away with it uh, so far. But Xavier Short, Phil, had a really, really good, really, really good um, – scrimmage this yep, past weekend one of the guys that did well at scrimmage yep definitely yeah i mean he had a uh, tremendous scrimmage uh 6 225 in the 40 40 inch vertical great athlete uh my understanding is he's a skilled route runner so that's just another guy you kind of look down the road or, or maybe even this year depending on what happens uh as somebody can get out there and make plays in the passing game carolina's needed that for the last couple yeah, definitely. And, you know, you can never have too many good tight ends, apparently. <laughs> no, no doubt. No, 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 not in this offense, bro. Nope. You know, uh, and, you know, Rose, I think, is going to play some in the secondary. Evan Warre is probably in the two deep, yeah. uh, which should be exciting, Phil, because, you know, this kid out of Irmo, the, 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 he came to camp. He's sitting there 6'3", 220. He's now 6'4", 218. Uh, they put him in uh, pass coverage. He, he made plays. Uh, they had him kind of fit the run. He made plays. They had him at linebacker. He made plays. Uh, and then he had a really good senior year. And uh, so far this summer, he's kind of been one of the storylines on defense. And they and just like at receiver. Uh, and I think they got plenty of options at receiver now. You need safeties. And if this kid can go out and give uh, some snaps at safety, I, I think it would be outstanding. In fact, Austin Stogner the tight end uh, that came in from Oklahoma, who's supposed to be really good, uh, made mention of the Gamecock secondary during an interview that we had on the bigspur.com where he's, uh, you know, he, he's talking about the secondary and how big and long uh, a lot of the guys back there are. And, you know, it, it, you know, Edmund Warry obviously fits that bill. So does Anthony Rose. So I, I, I think that's reason for a little bit of excitement, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, you you look and we got to fill out that too deep because it's been a big question mark here uh, with who we're going to have backing up. I mean, I'm assuming you know you got Devonnie Reed and you're going to have R.J. Roderick back there as your ones, uh, but that's definitely a position that's going to need some spelling and relief. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, I think and uh, Roderick uh, may have a little tweak at an injury or something like that. So, you know, I think it's very important to um, you know to have that depth back there. Uh, and it seems to me, look, look my, my one wish for next offseason, one, I have one wish, that's it, that we're not talking about safety depth. Oh, yeah, please. <laughs> it's been 10 years, man, and I'm like, oh, and then every year when you think there's a solution, there's not. I mean, we, there's been transfers, there's been, uh, they could have come in and not done much. I mean, it's just. Uh, they all get scared when they're like, their cornerbacks, we're going to make them safeties. We're like, oh, geez, yeah, here we go again. <laughs> people, people have soured on the whole cross-training thing, which is, right. yeah, I don't think people realize that that's really common, you know, in, in, in college football, oh, yeah. uh, especially corner versus safety. Or, or when you play a nickel like South Carolina does, guys are going to cross-train at both spots. But, you know, I, I don't know. David Spalding may see some time back at safety. Uh, I know Roderick is a senior, and, and people are saying he saved his best for last. Uh, Devontae Reed, to me, is a stud. I, yeah. I, um, yeah, watching him from Central Michigan last year, he uh, 
he not only played well for them in the Mac Phil when they played like LSU or when they played um gosh, they played a Pac-12 team in the Sun Bowl and they weren't supposed to, I think. Uh, anyway, the, the Sun Bowl was one of those, and they won the game, I think. So uh, he did a really good job for the Swamp Donkey up at uh, Central Michigan. <laughs> and uh, we call him the Swamp Donkey. Uh, and, you know, no shark pictures, anything like that uh, at Central Michigan last year. But uh, Reed is a very, very good player. Uh, you hear the term so many times, love fo- loves football. And that is the epitome of him. Uh, and what he can do. So, you know, him and Roll Warrior gets back there and plays well. Maybe you get Spalding back there because it looks like, you know, Spalding started half the time at nickel last year. It looks like what they're going to do is go with Cam Smith at the nickel and then start Marcellus Dial and Darius Rush at corner, uh, which I think is really cool. I mean, I wrote an article today about in-state under-the-radar talent, uh, speaking mainly about uh, some of the members of the 2022 class, Phil, uh, but you look at Darius Rush and you look at Marcelo Style. There's a kid uh, from the Low Country or the PD uh, in Rush that nobody thought was going to play. C.E. Murray High School down in Greeleyville, uh, you know, and uh, he was just an athlete, track guy, and found a home at corner. And people are really excited about him. Uh, and then on the other side, Marcelo Style was a player out of Woodruff High School, Spartanburg County, baby. Woo! Uh, Wolverines and uh, you know they uh, you know went to Juco for a year didn't play that much his season's canceled because of the pandemic in 2020 Uh, he comes in last year sees a lot of time you know split time basically with Rush at one corner uh, started the bowl game played very well Uh, didn't have the picks maybe didn't have the highlight plays uh, that a Rush had or a Smith had but was pretty doggone solid um, you know, and, and those are guys from South Carolina that just developed into ballers. And we've all seen it. You know, we've all seen it. We've all heard the stories through the years, uh, going back to like Tim Jennings, who who nobody wanted, and he goes to Georgia and is an All-American. Uh, we've seen guys go elsewhere. No, nobody really wants them. And then, boom, it uh, you know, they go someplace else and become NFL players. So if, if you're South Carolina, you want to get the majority of those guys. Uh, and I think really just based on early returns now, I'm not predicting anything specific for any of these five guys they brought in in last year's class from South Carolina. They were all sort of, you know, three stars or below under the radar upside types. You know, there's something about every one of them that you look at. I mentioned Xavier Short and his measurables. Uh, Nick Emanuare and his measurables were outstanding. Uh, Demetrius Watson, the defensive tackle from Fort Dorchester, uh, he ran four six nine at camp. So obviously you have at two hundred eighty five pounds. My goodness, uh, you have a lot of upside with him. Um, you know, you, you just kind of keep going and going, and you look, you're like, man, these guys all. Uh, uh, even uh, DeAndre Smith, DQ Smith, uh, who they got out of Spring Valley, sort of late converted quarterback. They talked about his physicality. Kyle Horton played eight man football last year, but has flashed in offseason workouts, able to sky and go get the ball. Uh, just a competitor. So uh, I think that little group of five people that they got out of the state in 2022 cycle uh, are looking very promising. So, Oh yeah, definitely. And if you're going to take a project kid, you want it as close to home, at least in my opinion, you know, you want a local guy. If you're going to go roll the dice on a, on a lower mid tier three star, let him be somebody that's right down the road. Yeah. And cause those guys nine times out of 10 will work out for you. Yeah. Uh, in my opinion. So I think that's uh 
that's a good deal there. Speaking of recruiting, um, Sunday, Gamecocks get another commitment. How about this? Yeah, welcome uh, home. Second highest rated guy in the class, Xavion Hardy, uh, defensive lineman out of Macon, Georgia, 6'5", 262, uh, the number 22 prospect in his position, number 12 prospect in the state of Georgia. Um, I've had a crystal ball pick in for Hardy to South Carolina for months now. Uh, Steve Wilfong joined me with that uh, right before the McLeod commitment last week. Um, you know, I, I, I this kid's got probably, you know, based on what I hear, a little bit of academic work to get done to get into school and get qualified. Uh, but if they can get him qualified, man, he's a steal. He's a big, long, uh, 6'5", 262 pounder. Could start out at the end or edge. Probably going to grow into a tackle, though, as, as most guys that are built this way do. Uh, but uh, still a very worthy, worthy prospect, uh, I think. And, 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 Phil, you start looking at the D-line class now. My goodness. Uh, <laughs> this this hashtag trenches things is uh, is real. <laughs> it, it, it is a real deal. And, and you got Desmond Uziolo, or I think – I'm gonna, I, don't, I need to learn how to say that. Uh, Umi Azulu. Umi Azulu. Um, and he, he commits one week from today. Yep. So uh, I think that um, – Wow, you know, you add him, and now he's an edge. He there's no question where he's going to play. Uh, he's 6'6", 240. Uh, I know a lot of Gamecock fans because uh, they remember the the Clownies and the Devin Taylors, and not so much the Melvin Ingrams and the Eric Norwoods who are around six two. Uh, but uh, every time you you get a a, a defensive end that's below six four, people kind of groan. Um, which, which, you know, look, man, college defensive ends can come in all shapes and sizes. Uh, and there's some good ones that are 6'1", 6'2". Don't get me wrong. It, it's a lot about motor and stuff like that. But if you're of the old school opinion that uh, all these defensive ends need to look like power forwards, <laughs> you'll like, you'll love the two in this class because yeah. <laughs> uh, Desmond and, and knock on wood, he comes. I mean, it's trending that way bigly. Uh, knock on wood, he comes. Uh, you know, he's 6'6", 240. Uh, and Montague Rames, who, by the way, has transferred uh, to Manning High School from Sumter High School now, is 6'5", 235. Um, so those are guys built that way, like like your glory years edge guys. How about that? <laughs> uh, I put it like that. So uh, it, it's just one of those things uh, that, uh, you know, I, I think Gamecock fans will like. And this D-line class really the, – the trenches, the, the hashtag trenches – uh, in general, uh, that that was the focus of this class. Hale McGranahan wrote an article about it at the beginning of the cycle. Gamecocks will focus heavily in the trenches this cycle. And they have eight linemen committed, a uh, couple of tight ends, uh, maybe another very, very special guy that they may play a tight end or D-end, <laughs> probably <laughs> tight end, uh, in Nick Harbor. Uh, you know, just a, just a lot of potential there. Uh, for this South Carolina uh, offensive and defensive line class, uh, you know, and and all that. And Xavier Hardy is just kind of a bonus. I, I think he was kind of a mystery man as far as, you know, would he get into school? Would they take him? Uh, and I'll remind everybody, too, teams are going to take more chances on guys with that have work to do academically uh, as opposed to in the past uh, or the recent past because for a long time, the NCAAs had this stupid rule in effect, and I, I think it's the absolutely crock of crap that they had this at all, where you could only sign 25. Yeah, yeah, the uh, cap on your signing. You can only give out 20. And, and, 
Well, it, it was because of fake news. I mean, it was because of like some of the schools in the Big Ten uh, sort of griping about the SEC over signing. Uh, and then they talked about like, oh, they're cutting guys. So they got all these antidotes, like one or two guys that get cut at LSU or Bama. Uh, and every one of those guys didn't do what they were supposed to do, right? Every one of those right. guys like didn't come to workouts or they weren't, weren't, you know. Uh, and so then they started accusing the SEC of cutting four or five guys. Uh, and and I just don't have having known kind of what goes on at all the schools and stuff. I I, I reject that. I, I think the guys that got quote unquote processed were guys that weren't taking care of business. But you know nowadays, uh, you know, with the rules that individual schools have, uh, like South Carolina guarantees scholarships for four years. They don't cut people. Um, so it, it's up to the schools to manage to make sure they're under the eighty five man limit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all that matters now. So you're going to see more programs maybe take a chance on a kid uh, like a Xavier and Hardy. Uh, whereas in the past, man, you just could not risk it because if he doesn't make it and you don't sign and you sign him, that's one player you can't sign. So if you do that five years in a row, that's five players. Yeah. You you're know? Just on five of them. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm of the opinion too. It was like, if you want to, if you want to roster 50 freshmen on scholarship, go ahead and do it. Yeah. I don't, yeah, <laughs> I don't, I don't have a problem with it at all. And, and, and you know, like some, some schools like in Mississippi, you have a lot of kids that end up going and taking advantage of the junior college system in that fine state. And, you know, what would happen? Like the, the one that got in trouble bad was Houston Nutt when he was at Ole Miss. He signed a class one year with 37 guys. <laughs> now, now, 10 of them were just strictly to sign and place in a Mississippi Juco just so the kids could feel good. And, and then you sign them like that, they feel good. You'll get them back after they go to Juco. It's a sound strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he got tattooed. Houston, that's signing. Yeah, hold on, I got to do the right accent because nobody from the South was complaining. Uh, you know, Houston, not he signed. Uh, he signed thirty-seven guys. What's going to happen when they get there? Beef sandwich. So uh, you know. Anyway, so that that sucked. Uh, I thought, and I thought it just made all the sense in the world, especially after the pandemic and. You have COVID red shirts. You have people in the portal that can't find a spot, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I, I thought the NCAA, you know, did a good thing abolishing that rule, which I said, like I said, was based on absolute BS fake news anyway. And uh, what's hilarious about it, too, is like, you know, as time went on, there were kids that couldn't get in transfer-wise, like from JUCO to an SEC school that could get in the Big Ten. Right. You know, yeah. namely Nebraska, but we'll, you know who's counting. But yeah. uh, you know, so much for uh, the Midwestern Ivy League, right? Yeah, yeah. So much <laughs> for all that. You know, they like to fancy themselves as that. So uh, anyway, recruiting uh, continues to go well. We got good. Uh, we got a good feeling here on Inside the Gamecocks to show about it. Carolina's got good momentum right now. Uh, you 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 end it with Desmond in a week heading into the season. Uh, that's going to be really crazy good. So um, that's, uh, you know, you, you have to be pleased with where things are at uh, right now. Nana's Porch chat box. Fill it up. Woo-hoo. Uh, Brian says, good morning. Frederick says, good morning. Tripp says, as the go Cox hand signal. Craig says, hello. Sean says, I know Desmond is close to a lock. Do we have more than a puncher's chance with Nick Harbor? How many confirmed unannounced commits do we have? Zero. Oh, yeah, we are out of 
out of welcome homes because mm -hmm. McLeod was the last one. So he was the first guy back in January. There's still some people out there that are like, Hardy was the guy. No, it was McLeod. I promise. Mm -hmm. I promise. I promise you. I'm not lying. I'm not lying about it, sir. But anyway, whether or not it was Hardy or McLeod, it's done. So there's no there's no outstanding uh, welcome homes. Does South Carolina have more than a puncher's chance with Nick Harbor? Yes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, you got to battle Michigan. I think LSU is a dark horse here just because think about LSU. They have, think about their track program. It's not, you know, because I think, I think, you know, I think Michigan's strong because I think Michigan really appeals to his family academically. But man, look, if you're running track, okay, like I said, I live most of the time up this way. You ain't, you ain't running track outside in March here. Uh, you know, it's it's 20 degrees. <laughs> you know, I mean, and, and I and I think that uh, Carolina's done a great job uh, with him so far. So, yeah, more than a puncher's chance. Gamecocks are a finalist there, in my opinion. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, he just needs to have a great official visit. Uh, and Gamecocks got to continue to work him. I think um, – I think they're right there. Will they get him? I would not put a crystal ball in for the Gamecocks right now, but I wouldn't put one in for Michigan or LSU either, Sean. Uh, I think it's that that close. Xavier says, listen, from Washington State, go Cox. Beamer's doing a great job recruiting. We're going to be like five deep along the lines of scrimmage. That's the hope, stockpilot. And That's right. Got the, That's where the, you win football the games. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Craig says he saw Marshawn Lloyd this weekend. He was wearing Jordans, not a brace or a boot. I think uh, Marshawn's supposed to be back at practice today. Uh, you just have to be careful with him, man. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't panic. Yeah, some people are like, I'm afraid we're going to see he's going to be the best that never was. And I'm like, and, and look, I'm not saying that was a dumb comment. I understand the concern. I mean, because he has not been healthy, uh, but I, I don't think he's unhealthy right now. Uh, I think he's uh, a guy that they're using precaution with because he's very valuable. Daddy O says, you still think Cam Pringle's going to be a game cut? Yeah, it hadn't changed. Told you that. Friday, I think. I still believe strongly the Gamecocks are going to land Cam Pringle. Uh, he says, Lee, I watched Darius play a couple games in high school. Pure athlete. I think Darius English, that's who we're talking about. Uh, Ed says, are there great concerns with Harvey? Yes. <laughs> uh, but but uh, concerns, that doesn't mean it's impossible. Uh, we got time. <laughs> we got time here. And, and look, man, I always tell the story. This kid uh, from Miami, Florida, so apparently, like, and he was really good too. Started as a freshman at the U, uh, but we were uh, me and my buddy were at ESPN at the time, and uh, some information had gotten out in South Florida because everybody kind of talks down there about, um, you know, him missing like 150 days of school, <laughs> and obviously that would mean he wouldn't qualify. Okay, <laughs> uh, and uh, next thing, so he had one offer that was to Miami. And the next thing you know, Miami's opening their season. I think it was Rick's first year or the end of uh, Al Golden. And uh, lo and behold, he goes out and starts first game true freshman. Really good player. Probably would have been a five-star had that information. 150 days of school. How are you going to make that up? But anyway. May muster uh, in summer. Uh, Nick, says, <laughs> Nick says Harbor coming like Clowney coming. Uh, Will says every welcome home eventually announced. Maybe next year people will be patient waiting for announcements. I don't know, man. Uh, I like the welcome home in a way because it drives discussion and we can sit here and talk about it. Right. Um, but I understand some of you folks are 
you know, you, you want to hear and you want to figure out who it is. And we're in a weird position. We can't always tell you. Sometimes we don't know. Most of the time we do. Um, Daddy O says Darius. Oh, Darius Rush. He saw play in high school. Yeah. Great athlete uh, at the high school level down uh, in the lower part of the state. Uh, Ryan says, any chance uh, Tyrese Ross is a contributor this year? I feel he will be on special teams. Just curious if he could provide quality depth in the back end of the defense. Uh, I think depth, maybe, yeah. Um, is he behind him and Warre now? I would think, probably. But, uh, you know, when he played last year, he's pretty solid. You know, it's uh, – I don't know. You know, I think that's uh, – to be determined, but I, I could see it happening. Um, he's very physical. He's, he's very physical. Uh, he's a physical. He's a physical specimen. Uh, Daddy O says, "Sorry, I missed that Friday on Camp Pringle. It's okay. You don't get. No worries. Not everybody gets everything, Daddy O. It's all good, and it's a fast moving show." He said, "Saw him in the grocery store. He is a massive human being, uh, and all that." I know it looks like I have snot running out of my nose right now. Uh, that's not. Uh, I think it's sweat <laughs> on, my, on my brow here, but uh, damn, it sure looks like it. That's disgusting. Uh, anyway, that's the thing you got to you got to be careful when you when you're doing video. It's like, oh man, this dude. Sorry about that, folks. Uh, anyway, it's yeah, my daughter game. asked me if I was going to start wearing makeup. I was like, damn, do I need to? <laughs> Actually, no, Phil. You look no. amazing. Right. It looks outstanding. Uh, Brian uh, chimes in Dana sports chat box. Finally got my tickets for the first game. Do you have any expectation on what kind of crowd we'll see for the home opener? Probably not like last year's, I would guess for Eastern Illinois, people were excited. First Beamer game, uh, pretty good crowd. Um, I don't expect it to be a sellout, but could be close to packed. Uh, I think a lot of people are curious to see how this team does. And then the fact it's a night game, I think helps too, because like, if you're sitting around wanting to watch college football all day, and, and everybody does that first weekend, right? Mm-hmm. You can go to the stadium, tailgate, set up your TV, catch just about all the significant action of the day, and then uh, and then roll into the game and enjoy it. So have a few cocktails, all that good stuff. All right, so we're going to um, take a break now. Uh, John Whittle in the second hour to talk about the Monty Lee situation. Monty Lee is uh, giving a press conference at South Carolina today. Really curious to see what he has to say. Uh, and we're going to talk uh, to John Little about all of that. Also football and basketball. Uh, he's from the bigspur.com. Obviously, you know him. You love him. Uh, Whittle in the second hour, making his debut on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Uh, keep the chat box coming. Keep the mailbag flowing. And we'll be back after these messages. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271, or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S, at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast, Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Sydney Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Game. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar is spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email is on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to the show. We're glad you did not go. Anyway, <laughs> welcome back. Inside the Game Master Show, JC Sherbert, Phil Molinax here with you. All right, so we got another giveaway. All right, folks. Uh, I'm up in the ante. Okay. Uh, up in the ante here um, for those to get the question right. Right. Mm-hmm. So, 
is uh, this is this may be a tricky one. All right, so how many times since 1980? All right, in Nana's Porch chat box, okay, uh, for you guys hanging in the chat box, uh, you not only get the inside the Gamecocks refrigerator magnet uh, and a beautiful Carolina Rise koozie. I've been I've been sending a koozie out with the magnet just because I feel dumb sending just a magnet. Uh, <laughs> you, you also get a bottle of. Billy G's Sweet Heat Carolina Barbecue Sauce. Okay? Uh, so I'll send you a bottle of barbecue sauce, the inside of the Gamecocks magnet, and a koozie if you get this right. Right? Mm-hmm. right it's good. Can you see the barbecue sauce, Phil? I don't know. No. I'm, I cannot. Oh, it's off camera crap. Here oh, we go. There we are. Yeah, yeah. I don't have my opposite things going here. Yet, do it so. like a true influencer and put yeah. your hand behind it. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Here we go. True influencer now. True. Here we go. Well, there you got to turn it opposite. It's weird. Yeah, it's that's right. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Mm, Billy G, sweet heat sauce. Oh, it's very good. The Missy Mule likes it too. And I lost the mule. Anyway. Uh, all right. So here's a question. Here's a question. Okay. Dun, dun, dun. How many times since 1989? Has the South Carolina football program been invited to a bowl game, yet not played in it? How many times since 1989 has that happened? It's happened more probably than it should have. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, believe it or not, believe it or not. So the first person on the Nana Sports chat box uh, to get this question right will – We'll get a free bottle of barbecue sauce, and I see some answers coming in. No, thanks for trying. No, thanks for trying. Uh, and uh, and the magnet and all that good stuff. Can't wait to send the sauce out, Billy G. Uh, we're going to give some of this away for Carolina Rise, but um, oh, we got a we got a, what do we got a winner. Austin. We got a winner. Ding ding ding, ding ding ding. Austin Austin B has won. Austin B has won. Uh, the answer is four. Now, I didn't say the question wasn't how many times have they been bowl eligible and not made a bowl? Because like in 1996 and 2007, their bowl eligible didn't get invited. How many times have they been invited and not played? The answer is four. Uh, 1989 and 1990, they were invited to the Independence Bowl, turned those down uh, because it conflicted with exams, which I, I thought was one of the lamest decisions <laughs> South Carolina's era, because back then there were only like 15 bowl games. You got you get to a bowl, you're doing something good, mm-hmm. um, even if it's Shreveport. The game guys probably would have been had some sort of record playing in Shreveport um, had they had they taken those two. <laughs> and then, then in 04, of course, the fight up at the Clemson yep. that that was going to be Shreveport as well. Uh, so that was three trips to the Independence Bowl that you missed out on. Uh, and then and then in 2020. Um, of course, the Gamecocks were invited to the Gasparilla Bowl, ultimately had to turn it down because the entire offensive coaching staff tested COVID positive. Um, yes. That year, there were all kinds of SEC teams with bad records, uh, you know, going to games. Uh, that was a couple of years ago. But they were going to go to Gasparilla Bowl. I almost said Asparilla Bowl. Gasparilla Bowl and play uh, UAB down there in Tampa, in the other Tampa Bowl game, uh, and that didn't happen. So four. So, Austin, you, you're the winner. You're a true champion, um, champion of life today. Uh, send uh, send us your address to insidethegamecocks at gmail.com. Hit fill up with it, and we'll 
and I'll make sure I mail that out to you today. I've got uh, a batch of Carolina Rye stuff. I got to mail out today, so I got. I'll go ahead and send this on to you. Uh, but we re- really appreciate uh, you guys answering the trivia question. We'll continue to have more giveaways here uh, on Inside the Gamecocks the show. Um, so, Gamecocks had a scrimmage this past weekend, Phil. Yes. And uh, the best part of the scrimmage, as Coach Spurrier always used to say, no injuries. Nobody got hurt. <laughs> no. I uh, I uh, I got that little tidbit uh, yesterday afternoon. I thought uh, I hadn't really seen anybody that, that had scrimmage info talk about it. So I, I put that up on the board. I said, tiny but important tidbit. And, you know, I think it's more than tiny, you know, yeah, probably. But when you just have two words and an update, this is no injuries. <laughs> that seems, <laughs> seems a little tiny to me. I don't know. Um, so that's important. Uh, and when I say no injuries, I mean, there's no new injuries coming out of the scrimmage of mm-hmm. significance. Um, you know, so I think that's good. And here's another thing uh, I think, Phil, that's interesting. I, I talked to some people that kind of were there, you know, both kind of, observers and then people that install the staff or whatever. And, you know, just kind of talk to an eclectic bunch. And I, I think this is a good thing. You know, nobody could really decide. There was no consensus as far as like if the defense won the day or the offense won the day. Hmm. Uh, they really, had a, you know, when asked that question directly, people had a hard time deciding. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, you know, when you're coming out of scrimmages anyway, if, if, even if the defense is ahead of the offense or if somebody is markedly ahead, it's a concern. Yeah. <laughs> at this point. <laughs> coming out of, yeah, too. Cause, because what you want, what you always want is your first series, your first scrimmage defense should be ahead of the offense, right? Mm. Second, you know, cause and I even read this the other day. I think, I think there's another team or something. Maybe not even the game. Maybe it was a game. Cox. Uh, about them learning, the, like the defense has learned the plays that the, the mm-hmm. offense runs, right? Uh, and so you got to throw some different things at them. I actually think it was Marcus Satterfield that may have said that. Actually, I think it was Carolina. You know, you kind of learn it. And so if you're out there scrimmaging on defense, it's always second nature to know what to do. Uh, obviously, in a real game, you're not going to, I mean, yeah. you're going to game plan and you're going to think about it, but you're not, you know, it, it's not always the same thing as repping it over and over and over for an entire summer. Um, and so you want the defense to be ahead because something's wrong if it's not. Uh, and then you want the offense to come back and respond. And that's what they did. Um, you know, I, I heard uh, Spencer Rattler looked really good, especially in the two minute in the red zone, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, he was really sharp. Um, and it looks like the offense is going to play a little faster this season. And then, Phil, you got some, some intel on some other guys. I've mentioned one, but not the other two. We were talking about Xavier uh, Xavier Short earlier doing well, but again, more praise coming out of a scrimmage for a little Turbo Miller, Dante playing well. Little and, Turbo! Man, and we keep hearing good things about Luke Doty, which is awesome. Uh, you know, it's we got to have a solid backup A, obviously, if Spencer goes down, you got to have somebody back there. But, you know, Luke, it seems like is rounding out into the player that we all were kind of expecting him to uh, when he was recruited. So that's good news on that front. And I always said, uh, you know, the, when they, from the time they got Rattler, uh, you know, because obviously w- whenever you have a guy that's the presumed starter one year and then he gets hurt and then, you know, you bring in kind of a guy that, you know, is going to be the starter, Spencer Rattler. Uh, sometimes that kid will, the, that was the starter, he'll just, you know, and with everything Luke had gone through, I wouldn't have blamed him had he 
salt greener pastures or, or, or transferred out and gotten a fresh start somewhere. I mean, that's a lot for a kid like that first two years to go through. Uh, but he stuck with it. And I, and I said, once, once it was apparent he was staying, the best thing for Luke Doty and the best thing to happen to Luke Doty is going to be Spencer Rattler because yep. he needs a year. And hopefully that happens and there's no injuries. You're right about needing a backup. And I, and I think the Gamecocks will be fine if that happens. I mean, well, you know, is, is it, does it change the trajectory of the season? I, I, I don't know. I don't even want to speculate on that right now. I'm not right. wood. But, uh, uh, you know, because things were so tumultuous. I mean, you had the, the, the summer of 2020 and the pandemic. Uh, you're learning new offense under Mike Bobo. Uh, you know, I don't know that Luke Doty's the best fit at quarterback uh, in a Mike Bobo offense to begin with. Um you know, you play receiver for two months, two weeks in camp. Then you get moved back. Then you get thrown to the wolves against Missouri. Uh, and then things don't go well for the rest of the year. And then you come back and you're the starter, uh, learning another new offense. Uh, and then, you know, somebody, you steps, hurt. On, yeah, somebody <laughs> steps on your foot in practice. And it's like, ah. And then you come back out, play well against Georgia, and then, lose to Kentucky, and then Troy was an ugly game, and then Vandy was an ugly game, and Kentucky, I mean, Tennessee was an ugly game, and it's like, ah. And then by the th- by the time he went out of the Vanderbilt game, things were heading south pretty quick because he re-injured his foot. Uh, but he needs a, a season of stability, I think. I think young players deserve that, quite frankly. Uh, yeah, that's that's why a good way to put it, too, man, is that stability, because there has been none. No. <laughs> Not with him. Uh, second year, first time he's second year in a system. Uh, nothing but praise from him for from everybody from the coaching staff to uh, observers of the scrimmage. I think he's played pretty well. I thought he played pretty well in the spring game, Phil. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're hearing it from the teammates too, which is, uh, you know, I almost believe more about what the players are saying about other players right now because you know, mm-hmm. everything that comes out of a coach's mouth is calculated. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, and unless it's unless it's Steve Spurrier, and you know, oh yeah, right, yeah, uh, or or Mike Leach, which well, uh, he'll you just, never know what's going to come out of his mouth. He'll, he'll just get off topic, and and then you know, you ramble about this, that, or the other. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you, you can't really count on kind And Shane Shane Beamer's pretty straightforward about things. You know, mm-hmm. he, he's not, uh, you know, he, he's probably not as honest or I'm not I don't want to say honest honest means because that implies that you're not honest uh probably not as you know brutally straightforward as Spurrier uh probably not as secretive as a must champ or a Kirby smarter or Nick Saban or somebody like that um I actually appreciate what he does with the media I, I think he gives good answers um and yeah. for those of you that uh dare to listen to the Carolina calls call-in show mm-hmm. um which, by the way when Whittle's giving the updates, and we're going to talk to Whittle next hour on the on the bigspur.com, it's it's a thing of beauty. Uh, it's it's Whittle does the absolute best at updating the call in chat. Uh, it's funny. It's, it's really I, I've never I mean I laugh harder at that than just about anything else, just because sometimes the call in shows a disaster, and we all know it. Uh, but Shane, Shane Beamer does the best job of of just about I think any coach that's been here on the college show. I mean, Spurrier and Holtz, it's Lou Holtz and Steve Spurrier. Obviously, you know, they're going to say some things that, 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 and they're Hall of Famers and celebrities and all that. And, you know, poor Muschamp, man. I just, uh, (laughs) 
Oh, yeah. I kind of quit listening during the Muschamp era. Like I'm, I'm a big radio guy, so I love hearing that. Anyway, uh, you know, just nothing to look at, just something to listen to. But with Muschamp, I just didn't. I, it wasn't uh, appointment listening. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't, and I, you know, and, and I, I don't know that it's all his fault. I mean, he no. like, like uh, compared to your average person, like I'm a big football geek. You know, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I do what. Um, that's what I do. Why I do my uh, do what I do. Actually, you know, I'm a big football geek, and so when he starts talking about the boundary and the vertical field position and you know stuff like that, I like. I pop perk up. I'm like, ah, what last champ? You know, but not everybody uh, enjoys the jargon all the time. Uh, and I think I think it, I think it would have been embraced heavily had they won more. But when they started losing, man. That era, and I knew it, I, you know, and, and look, I was convinced Will Muschamp was going to work out as a head coach here, and I was wrong. Uh, you know, yeah. I'll, just, I'll just be honest with you. Uh, but when it started to go south, probably that North Carolina game in, in 2019, probably probably that Florida game in 2018 really is when it started. Boy, it got ugly. I mean, it, nobody was embracing anything about him. And that is one thing I did know, and I, and I actually did say this, you know, when people were talking about Muschamp having a slip, I was like, he can't afford to have a slip. No, so this, this was not a popular hire. And when, you know, when you go from three wins to six wins to nine, you know, everybody's going to be quiet for a while and say, Hey, well, this is, this is going pretty well so far. Uh, and then you slip back to seven and things are a little ugly and <laughs> all that. Then, then it becomes a question and then you go four and eight and all of a sudden the bottom fell out. Yeah. And yeah, so, right. you know, that, that, that's the situation there, but um, just to kind of explain where I was coming from, but, you know, everybody embraced the vertical field position and, you know, all the, put your face in the fan and like it and all that until you start losing. But I, I think that's the case with everybody though, man. I mean, you know, one of my favorite pro coaches of all time is a guy named Jerry Glanville. Oh yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. for the Oilers and the Falcons. And his shtick was awesome until they started losing. <laughs> and he got fired. And so I and he's obviously a very colorful character that left tickets for Elvis and everything else. I mean, just a, a wild man. But uh when he ever at Houston and in Atlanta, he started losing and things got old. And you know, in the pros, especially, uh, your shtick can get old pretty quick. Um, oh, yeah. and so, so I, I think it's just I, I think. If Muschamp had one more, everybody would have embraced him. I mean, it's uh, it's just one of those things where it's a bottom line thing. But when you're an unpopular hire to start with, um, you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt. No, you know, and then, so they had to be that much better at Carolina than they were at Florida. Um, you know, for a couple of years they were, uh, but then you know, uh, things happened with that. But we're not here to talk about the Will Muschamp era. I think that That's gives right. people. I guess people flashbacks. Ah! Yeah, we've moved on. <laughs> Let's move on. So uh, all that and, and all that. So Ed says the belt bowl back on the Nanosports chat line. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ed says the belt bowl was the last straw with Muschamp. Yeah, that was ugly. Yeah. And then you go right back up there and you, and you got North Carolina beat in an ugly game. And then 200-yard drives and then breakdowns on offense. Just couldn't stop. I mean, yeah, uh, it was ugly. It was yeah. ugly. Daddy says Muschamp's toxic side oozed out when things got bad. Uh, I want to address this. I don't know about toxicity. Um, I know this. There's a lot of pressure to win, right? 
And the more the daggum losses piled up, the tighter everybody in the organization got, uh, and and no fun. You know, there was not a lot of fun that was no, going no. on. Uh, yeah, the less and less like a game at that point. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 you know, and, uh, you know when, when the new staff came in, one of the things that I know a lot of people communicated to them was the locker room needs to really heal because uh, mm-hmm. these guys have kind of been beat down. And, you know, you, you can tell that's kind of one of the first things Shane Beamer started to do is, is, is try to say, hey, you know, uh, life is not all sunshine and rainbows, but, you know, you should have fun and you should – love your teammates and, and, you know, you should have a positive, positive energy coming in. Uh, And and that kind of, you you know, Phil, sounds crazy to say, I think, I think that approach uh, really helped Carolina early last season, keep it together. Um, Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that, that approach, I think helped them refuse to lose that East Carolina game. Uh, You know, you get behind 14, nothing like that on the road. Here we go again, hang your head or whatever. They didn't play well at all, especially on offense. Pulled it out. Mm-hmm. You know, even the Vandy game they pulled out, the Troy game they won. I mean, uh, and those wins were all – a lot of them were what you call ugly. It's not ideal to win like that. But they were still wins, and then that gives you the opportunity at the end to get to a bowl, which I, I thought getting to the bowl and winning it was big. And all that good stuff. So yeah, it definitely speaks to that culture word that keeps popping up, right? I mean, that was that was yeah. it right there. Yeah. yeah. Austin <laughs> says he'll send an email. Uh, yeah, I got his, it, Austin. We're good. Although he may not hear us, he's at class right now. He's in class. You better <laughs> study, buddy. Right. Better study. Uh, Jafaler says, "Always a pleasure to hear from y'all." Go Cox and Semper Fi. That's right. Core. A lot of respect for anybody. That yeah. was in the Marine Corps, man. Thank That's you in the Marine service. Corps. Thank you so much for your service. We we love America. We love the Corps on the show. Uh, all right. So the Nanosports chat box. Uh, be sure you get in that again. John Whittle, second hour. Congrats to Austin for winning the barbecue sauce and and the magnet and a koozie. There's more. Yeah. Uh, wait, what's my, what's my? It's a new kind. <laughs> um. And so that's it. So Monty Lee's had some interesting things to say. Uh, Monty Lee, here's a quote from him. We'll come back to South Carolina. Colin Taylor has this on Twitter. He says, Monty Lee will come back to South Carolina. Quote, we got a Chipotle three minutes from the field. Can think of no better recruiting pitch. Phil, are you a Chipotle guy? I am not a Chipotle guy. I have not had it. So I'm like, you know, I may, I might be a Chipotle guy, JC, and I just don't know it yet. our kid loves it like the youngest Mm -hmm. one who by the way is sick now (laughs) yeah he he like swears by it i just man i just don't like it i just don't like it not not for you huh i'm a big burrito guy but i've just never eaten it there i usually go to moe's not promoting anybody over i know know, moe's can pay us for advertising but i'm a moe's guy i've been a Mm -hmm. moe's guy for a while and you know, I just never got, I've never gotten into Chipotle. I go in there and I'm like, there's really like not that one thing I want to eat. And I just, uh, wherever I eat it, I feel like heavy and snot on that, man. I don't know. I don't know. So that's, uh, that was Monty Lee today talking about Chipotle. So that's, I guess he is team Chipotle, um, you know, and he was right there on the, uh, on the uh, on the uh, on the Twitter there, so we'll talk to um, 
whittle about uh, that press conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of good things to say about the Gamecocks. A great feeling. Here's one more thing I'll say. Uh, a great feeling to be able to come into Founders Park every day based on what he knows about the history and tradition of the program, the national championship batters, banners, the 8,000 seats, special place for him. That's pretty pretty awesome, isn't it? Don't you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm really impressed, you know, that he was – brought on board you know we're all happy to see that for sure you know I mean, yeah. money was pivotal <laughs> yeah uh mentioned earlier gamecocks i uh, got a commitment this weekend that brings their overall team rank uh in the 24 7 sports composite team recruiting rankings for 2023 to 16th overall so right behind arkansas if i remember right yeah, and it's weird because Phil, like Arkansas, has twenty three commits. Gamecocks have nineteen now, so they're getting mm-hmm. there. Uh, but at that number of commits, Gamecocks are right there, uh, chipping away at, at them. I don't know what would happen if they landed Desmond, uh, but I will get you um, that from the twenty four seven Sports class calculator after the top of the hour break, um, and uh, that would also depend on. Arkansas not getting a player, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and things like that. And then oh, you keep looking on up above. I mean, you know, it's, it's a top 15 class is, is reasonable. And I think, you know, could could definitely happen. And, you know, and a lot depends, too, on in the rankings, who moves up, who moves down, like individual-wise. Because there's, you know, we got a whole season in front of us, right? And then you got all, <laughs> all-star games and everything else. So things could change dramatically. But I do think – uh you know, I do think the Gamecocks uh, are in pretty good shape there. Uh, and boy, if they could get Nicholas Harbor, hmm. <laughs> well, that would be, that would I saw some speculation that that would put you up into about the top 12, which I think would be historic for yes. South Carolina. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so, old Chipotle, C. Franklin says, JC, you hadn't found the right combo yet. Mm. So, I'm supposed to experiment. <laughs> and that's why I go to Moe's and not Chipotle because you know I'm I'm like you stick with the devil you know. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. but nah, you're right, you're right, you're right, Frank. I, I got you there. Taylor says Chipotle makes you pay for chips, not cool. Yeah, I don't know of a single place that serves Mexican food or Mexican inspired food that makes you pay for chips uh, no. besides Chipotle. And that's not a big problem for me because I'm, I'm not really. Especially for lunch, I'm not really like wanting to eat chips, you know, like tortilla chips. Right. But, yeah. uh, anyway, um, Rick says, I'm a home wrecker all day. Welcome to Moe's. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cindy chimes in. Chipotle has great guac. Oh. See, I'm not a guac guy. Don't no. like guacamole. But that's my mom, though, and she loves guac. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> most, uh, most, uh, most moms do. Uh, most female. <laughs> I found that the percentage of the female population that li- likes guacamole is higher than the male population. But there's a, there's a lot of dudes that like uh, guac too. It's I'm not saying it's a feminine thing, but uh, you know th- there are more people that are female. I, I don't know of a single woman that does not like guacamole. I, I've never found one. No, I don't know. That's a you know probably yeah, not. That's I very interesting. Uh, I love just a mashed avocado with a little bit of lemon juice and salt. That's how I go. I don't like all the tomatoes and all that other crap in there. <laughs> just an avocado, a little simple. salt. Yeah. <laughs> just keep it. Mola guacamole, the Molinax guacamole. Yeah, <laughs> the infamous. That's awesome. Uh, Elizabeth says Darren Horn and Frank Martin were the worst call-in shows. Yeah, mm-hmm. considering some of those seasons, like. 
yeah late in those seasons those two guys had oh man <laughs> imagine that one a week before the sec tournament and you're doing a call-in show and you're just about to get destroyed by whoever else you play and you know no <laughs> chance of the tournament and you know people are calling and people aren't even calling you know so it's just kind of crazy uh sean contrasts kind of says uh, desmond and nick would move carolina up to 261 points wise so that would put the gamecocks right in the mix with florida miami tennessee right outside the top 10 mm-hmm. uh, for right now uh florida's got a good class folks i see a lot of people chirping about it um but keep in mind 16 guys are from the state of florida so they're doing exactly what they need to be doing, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and they've beaten the Gamecocks on a couple of guys, and, and I get it. But, uh, you know, I just uh, – I think it's a good class, but I think Florida's also had similar classes under McElwain and Dan Mullen and those guys. So we'll just have to see how things go down in Gainesville uh, with all that. But I, I think South Carolina has to feel pretty good uh, about where it's at team rankings-wise now. Because uh, you always got to, you always got to keep those. You know, keep it in mind that you know we're, we're looking at Arkansas, fifteen, Carolina, sixteen. There's no difference between Arkansas's class and Carolina's class. No. Uh, very little difference between Tennessee's class and South Carolina's class. Very little difference between Florida's class and South Carolina's class right now. Uh, as Spurrier always said, uh, the Gamecocks need to get close, not necessarily have to finish ahead, because you know in team recruiting ranking, it's all about like a range you know, that you're involved with. So uh, that will do it. Well, this hour has flown by, Phil. I feel like I just ran the ads. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. Woo. Uh, Taylor said 260 should be the goal. Trying to get the top 10 is very difficult. Look at the programs ahead of us. We play most of them. Yeah, but my point is it's not going to make it. You just need to get close to them. Mm-hmm. Don't, you don't have to because, right, so – well, Spurrier wasn't signing top ten classes at the peak of the, you know. Nah, the he, he signed one, and that's that was a massive class, and a lot of people were key players, but a lot of them weren't. Uh, and then it was about top fifteen. I think the Clowny class may have gotten to fourteen. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot was because of of Clowny, um, but you you got to get you know, and then with the portal transfer portal too, you got to factor those guys in. Um, it, it, but in other words, like okay, so. You're 16th, Tennessee's 11th, right? So let's say three of their low four stars aren't as good as three of your high three stars, which could happen because the three uh, four stars are right there in the same range. It's hard to put everything together. You know, then that means you had a better class if everything mm-hmm. else is equal, right? right. So uh, <laughs> it, it's I, I just – I think it's important to get close. Now I'll say this. For all you guys out there, all you fans – um, I, I want the Gamecocks to be ranked as high as possible in the team rankings. Cause I know you love it. I know you want them high. And, uh, so therefore I do, um, I'm not going to downplay it and say, oh, this doesn't mean anything or whatever. Uh, so that, that's one of the reasons I want them high. Number two, the higher you're ranked, uh, the more of what we call recruiting momentum, uh, takes place. Um, and then that can help you with highly rated guys. Cause they want to play with other highly rated guys we'll be back with more of inside the game cast the show more from the nana sports chat box uh john whittle will join us at the bottom of the next hour with monty lee reaction and more 
Also, the IHOP Consulting Mailbag is coming up. Going to check in on our poll question. Uh, but right now, we got to pay some bills. And we'll be back after these messages. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271 or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Hey man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues, and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, Do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that, or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) I'm getting on that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks the show family vacations a new car a new boat all cost money but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now i help consulting can help you finally get the kids to disney world upgrade the minivan or drop that new boat in the water next summer let daniel and i help consulting consult with you no fees just savings you pay them a percentage of those savings save on essential services credit card fees you name it let them find it these folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Let's say you need catering. You need a food truck. You just need to get some delicious food to feed some people. Nana's Porch is the place for you. I, I've known Chris, the owner, for years now. Uh, they helped with the Big Spur Golf Tournament, uh, catering it. It was delicious. I highly encourage you uh, to go visit nanasporch.com. That's nanasporch.com right now uh, to take a look at their services, their menu items, everything you may need for your event, the professionalism, the food, the taste, 
Uh, it's unrivaled uh, in this space. 336-259-7550 is the phone number. Or again, go to nanasports.com. Uh, we talk about them all the time. They uh, sponsor the chat line here on the podcast. But uh, wanted to tell you about it right here, straight from JC. Tell them JC sent you. Uh, and please support this Gamecock-owned and operated business. Also a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Are we back? We are back with the second hour. Thank you. First hour always brought to you by City Searfoss Realtor of Colwell Baker Kane in the upstate. Uh, many of you are her clients. Many of you should be her clients. Please be sure to check her out uh, and uh, use her. Uh, if you want to buy a house, sell a house, moving, just looking, interested, uh, give her a call my hometown of Spartanburg. Hour number two is brought to you by uh, the Burgesson team of REMAX at the Lake, they are commercial realtors throughout the state of South Carolina. If you're interested in buying some multifamily properties, uh, anything like that, uh, give them a buzz. They are the best ever. John Whittle will join us on the Meredith Taylor guest line at the bottom of the hour from the bigspur.com. We all know Whittle. Uh, he's going to talk a little about Monty Lee, this, that, and the other. So I found some comments on YouTube. Now, I haven't, you can always leave comments on YouTube, right? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, I found some interesting ones that I'm going to go through uh, right now and just talk about. Uh, Jay Hun says, of course, Muschamp did a great job as a defensive analyst. That is quite literally his ceiling. And he had the best players in the country to work with, LOL. Um, I agree. He had great players to work with, but that's not really, you know, if you remember correctly, he wasn't the analyst for most of the year. He, he was a coordinator, co-coordinator. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, he deserves probably a little bit more credit than that, uh, I think. Um, oh, he's always done well as a coordinator, too. I mean, yeah, you know, that's, for, for the most cool. part. Yeah, and uh, you know, obviously he did have great players. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying the guy, you know, is elite, uh, especially when you got to do more with less, but uh, you got to tip his tip, a tip, a tip your hat to him for last year. You got to look at Texas. How happy is Texas that he got out of there before yeah, <laughs> Matt Brown did? You know. Because since he was the heir apparent. <laughs> yeah. Jay Hunt continues if we don't beat Georgia State by three scores, we're in trouble. I disagree. The line's only 13 and a half. Uh, it's going to be a challenging opener. And and if you think back in football, just the history of football, look at every school. You know, not everybody goes out and plays their best the first game. I mean, you remember South Carolina struggled to beat Vanderbilt first game in, in 2012. Now, Vanderbilt was a good team that year, but the Gamecocks were in the top. They, they were third in the country five weeks later. So, you know, you just can't always go on the, on the, the point spreads in the opener are not a determining factor at all. At all, uh, in terms of uh, you know what uh, what a team will do, you know. Now look, sometimes you do struggle in your opener, and you don't have a very good team. That that's a fact as well. So uh, you know, just kind of take it for what it is. I think the Gamecocks are going to play pretty well. Uh, Stav says, "Would we'll never understand why a kid would commit in January and not announce until August." His being in the boat early could have helped with the recruitment of others. Now I disagree. I think. Kids are kids these days, and if you don't if you don't want like stuff like that, you're not going to recruit very well. <laughs> you know, if you don't have any tolerance about that, you want to be a hard ass about it. You know, uh, even though they've committed silently, you know, I 
you're not going to get gas. So it's just kind of a new world. Do I, do I think it's ideal? No, I wish everybody would go ahead and announce it, you know, and that is a long time to wait, but I, yeah, yeah, I don't think it hurts. Uh, he goes on. I have zero interest. This is Stev A. Zero interest in what's happening with baseball until they fire that entire staff. I'll be fast forwarding through those parts. I don't care. Um, and look, I called for change last year. It didn't happen. You know, you, you just got to give it another shot. I mean, guys are still playing ball, you know. Yeah, we, we have who we have. I mean, he's like, come on, JC. Why do you keep thinking DK would have been a good quarterback all season? He would not have. DK has never done anything against great, great against SEC defenses. The only reason he was able to do what he did in the bowl was that UNC was completely caught off guard. Credit sat, but DK and SEC play has been terrible. Uh, he would not have been a better quarterback than anybody through our season last year. Sorry, but tired of hearing that crap. Number one, okay, so I know who you are now because we've gone through this on the big spur. I, yeah, I'm not. You know, this is c- completely a matter of opinion, right? Uh, so I'm not full of crap. This isn't something crazy. You know, there are some people that believe that. There's some people inside the program that believe that, right? Uh, and here's where you're completely wrong. Here's where you just don't know what the hell you're talking about when you come when you come at me with this subject. Derek Harry and Joyner has had two times, okay, against Power Five competition where he's played quarterback. Wildcat is not quarterback. It's Wildcat, okay. Uh, I.e. Juju McDowell can play Wildcat, okay. Um, when you watch Arkansas this year, Malik Hornsby is playing Wildcat. Um, D- Darren McFadden was the Wildcat quarterback, right? <laughs> and I don't know what, what, where the disconnect comes from, but when you're asking a kid to come in and make one read and either hand it off or keep it, I don't know how the hell that's quarterback play. <laughs> All right? So I don't have any idea where you there's this body of work that says the carry and joiner has been terrible uh, not done anything great against SEC defenses. And I'll go back to the 2019 Georgia game when he was all they had, okay? How many kids that had not played a whole lot go out there and complete a key first down pass to Nick Muse or don't turn the ball over and allow the team to win? Does he just not get any any credit for that half of football at all? I mean, he kept Carolina in the game. Didn't lose it. You know, yeah, ran out for some yards. I mean, and, and you can say what you want. Georgia was eventually going to drive down the field and score on Carolina's defense. You couldn't depend on Izzy McQuamu to keep intercepting passes, right? So the more the offense kept the ball in that game, the better the chances they could win, right? You know, I don't care if what you think about DeKaron Jordan as a quarterback. Uh, I, I'm of the opinion that he's pretty good, and that's his natural position, right? Okay. It's okay if you don't think that, but don't don't make stuff up. At least know what you're talking about. Don't make it up that he's been terrible at SEC play. When? When has he played quarterback? He played half against Georgia two years ago, and it was the biggest win South Carolina's had in 10 years. And then he comes and plays again against North Carolina, and it's another huge win. Yep. I mean, I, 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 I'm not saying the guy's a Heisman contender or that he should even start. I'm just saying – you know, this whole notion, you know, please, please learn the difference between when you put a guy in to run wildcat plays, you know, uh, and then when you put him in to actually play quarterback. 
He's yeah, played. It's, yeah. It's just nuts. If you've got less than a 5% chance of throwing the football, you're not playing quarterback unless you're running a triple option. And last time I checked, yeah. we weren't running that here. Yeah. I mean, so <laughs> I'm just like, wow. I mean, come on, man. I mean, look, it's my opinion. Could I be wrong? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's not something that I'm kind of passing along as fact here. It's just my opinion that the guy's a pretty good quarterback when given the opportunity. And he does look a heck of a lot more natural out there playing quarterback than in the other position. Yeah. That's just, that's the bottom line for me on DK. I, and I'm, I'm tired of hearing this from this one particular poster listener, whatever, that he's been terrible at, at quarterback every time. He's because he hasn't been playing quarterback, man. That's not, that's not playing quarterback. I don't know where in the world, uh, you know, anyone would sit there and say, now, to your point, if you were correct about it, he was terrible in the Wildcat. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he probably should have, you know, given it a couple of times, especially on first and goal at Tennessee. Uh, Lloyd would have walked in the end zone. Uh, yeah, you know, that those were terrible plays. That's not playing quarterback. That's not playing quarterback. So, anyway, I hope we can put this to bed and just agree to disagree. You know, as far as you being sick and tired of hearing that crap, I'm sick and tired of hearing the crap where you continue to say somebody's playing quarterback when it's not really playing quarterback and bashing a kid that's done everything right, you know, as far as being a great citizen and part of the program that had an outstanding bowl game, right? Mm-hmm. You know, nobody's saying he's going to go start this year. I'm just saying, to me, that's his best position. And the proof is, when you watch him play that position, he is better than when he plays receiver. Now, maybe a lot I, more natural. Yeah, a lot more yeah. natural, man. A lot more natural. So, anyway, some interesting comments on the YouTube page. We'll read those every now and then, right? I just got a little bit fired up uh, with all that, so I, I apologize. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's just uh, it's just one of those things. Uh, one of those things. Uh, Nicholas says on the Nana Sports chat box, greetings from San Diego. Beautiful. San Diego, California is a beautiful place. Uh, Craig says, how many more high school recruits will we take in this class? Harbor, Desmond U, Peel. Yeah, those are guys. Another linebacker, definitely. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, I kind of have an idea who they're targeting there, but, you know, who knows who will will end up uh, being the guy. Taylor says, JC's getting testy. Uh, He's right. Elizabeth says, JC's 100% correct. The DK was our best Option behind Dodie last year should have been out there over the grad assistant. Um, okay, DK is in a tough spot. You're not going to start him over Rattler, and to me, he's the fifth or so receiver on the depth chart. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think he's going to play some of that uh, Jaheim Bell type role where they give it to him in different ways and stuff like that. All right, inside the game, guys. The show rolls on. John Whittle coming up in 15 minutes. We're going to get to the I Help Consulting mailbag here in a second. Uh, but quickly, Phil. Mm-hmm. We'll take about five minutes to do this. Uh, tone setting games for SEC teams in September. I, I think, you know, for some, you have more than one. I mean, Gamecocks have Georgia and Arkansas. Uh, yeah. I think mm-hmm. Florida has Utah and Kentucky. Um, you know, but I, I picked one, and so, uh, and you've picked some here. So we'll just go through them. I think for Georgia, uh, I'd like to say South Carolina, but, you know, if that first one doesn't go well for the dogs, uh, there's going to be a lot of like, holy crap, are we not as good as we thought we were? Uh, and that's, that's the game against the Oregon Ducks next uh, next Saturday in Mercedes-Benz. 
Yeah, that's going to be a big game for Georgia just to see where they are from a talent standpoint. Well, not talent. We all know that's got, you know, they've got talent, but yeah. are they putting that all together here in the preseason? <laughs> yeah, the meshing of it. Uh, yeah. Alabama week two goes to Texas. I think that's a tone setter. I, I honest to God, think that's going to be about a 49 to 14 kind of game. I was going to say, is, are we going to look any different than it did last year? No. <laughs> I'm, I'm not buying Texas until Texas shows me something. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. fair, unfair. I've seen too many losses to Kansas, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> um, so how about LSU? I, what, what, what's there? Because they, they have some interesting September yeah. games. Florida State game is a is an interesting one. Get that cross-conference matchup with the ACC there. Two up-and-coming mm-hmm. programs, right? You know, I think. Well, let's I think Mike Norvell is getting, you know, a tough shake <laughs> for what I, he had to deal with. It, it was. I mean, <laughs> what, the, the two years of Willie Taggart were a disaster <laughs> there. I mean, and it's uh, – I know some people that work down there. They're all good people. LSU is one of those teams that I think, you know, maybe more people should be talking about. Uh, yeah. I, Brian Kelly, yeah, I know he's not a good fit, but the guy's a winner. Um, and LSU wins that game. It's in New Orleans, so that's it's going to be a pro LSU crowd. Although the the Seminoles uh, have sold their allotment of fifteen thousand tickets, so that's going to be a pretty good atmosphere Labor Day night at uh, the Superdome uh, down in New Orleans. Uh, the Florida Gators play Utah to start. I think that's a tone setter. I think if they win that one, man, uh, you're going to have a lot of people getting on the Billy Napier bandwagon. Oh yeah, it'll be huge. You know, you're you're not going to be able to stop Gator Nation if they beat Utah, especially (laughs) (laughs) with Utah's preseason. You know, accolades and all of this. But yeah, that's the thing about these preseason polls and stuff like that. It's like you can see, you know, the algorithm has picked all of this stuff or whatever, and it's just like you know, algorithms don't play football. (laughs) Exactly. It'd be funny if they did. Uh, Kentucky and Florida. I so, so for Kentucky, I think that game at Florida week two, uh, obviously is a tone setter. You got on there and win. You then you got to miss in a couple of weeks. You know, while, while you're the Wildcats navigating your cupcakes, mm-hmm. you do have Florida and Ole Miss. Uh, so I think that's good for the Gamecocks. I'm going to say Arkansas, I, you know, a win out there against, uh, off season, darling Razorback nation would be huge. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, and I'm excited to see you know the the away product that we put on the field this year. Yeah, Gamecocks really struggled on the road last season. That's something that has to change. Arkansas has an opener against Cincinnati Bearcats. Um, Cincinnati lost a lot of personnel off their team that went to the playoff last year. Uh, I still think they'll be well coached and a good team. But if you're Arkansas, dude, and you, you can get about a 15 to 21 point win in that one. That's going to give you a whole lot of confidence with Carolina coming in the next week. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, and I'm, I'm not really expecting a close game in that one. Yeah. <laughs> not at all. Penn State travels from Happy Valley to the Plains of Alabama to play Auburn. This game was close last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Penn State's going to be good. Can they, can they, it's kind of the man enough thing. Are they man enough to go in and win at Auburn? Uh, that's going to be a big because if Auburn can pull a, pull that win, you know, people kind of probably get off a of Harson a little bit. They start with five straight home games, including this one. Maybe maybe that War Eagle gets a little momentum. Yeah, yeah, but I think the fan base will double down on the Harson hot seat if he loses that one. You know, mm. more than a touchdown. Yeah, that's a that's a big. 
mm-hmm. uh, a big, uh, I think it's a, a night game down there, uh, Penn State and Auburn. Missouri can- it goes to Kansas State. Some people are talking about Kansas State being a dark horse in the Big 12 this year. I think, uh, you know, Missouri obviously probably would rather play in Kansas for a number of reasons. Number one, they beat the crud out of Kansas. Number two, that's who they really hate. Uh, but <laughs> traveling over to Manhattan, border battle, uh, would be big for Eli Drinkwitz, I think, if they pulled that one off, uh, yeah, getting sure. back into SEC play. Uh, Vandy plays Hawaii this weekend. Uh, it's a tone setter, man. You get down there and you lose. It's the same old Vandy. I think same. Vandy, you know, they pulled this win off in Hawaii, then uh, everybody who bit the over on two and a half is probably going to cash in soon. Sweating, <laughs> yeah, because they got two more wins, I think. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. – uh, Tennessee tries to avenge a loss in Knoxville last year when they go to Pittsburgh. I think that's week two. Pitt, top 20 team. Uh, Keaton Slovis comes in from Southern Cal. I know they lost their other player to Southern Cal, Jordan Addison, the Bolitnikoff winner. Man, I think Pitt's just really solidly well coached. Uh, Pat Narduzzi does a great job. Um, But just something tells you, you know, they were fortunate to go and get the win against Tennessee last year. Something tells me Tennessee's going to be ready. I do expect a boatload of orange at Heinz Field, uh, home of the Steelers, when uh, Tennessee goes up. That's a good road trip to make. And tailgating right down there near Three River Stadium is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, Texas A&M Miami uh, in College Station. God, that, 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 that's kind of the early season game Aggie fans are pointing towards. It's out there. I'm curious about Miami, though. You know, are they – again, are they man enough to go in there and win? That's the thing. Man yeah, enough. It. Man, up, man that's enough. That's it. Ole Miss plays at Georgia Tech. I pretty much think they could hang half a hundred on them. But uh, <laughs> well, let's, let's say they struggle. You know, they're going to go in there like every other SEC team that goes to Atlanta to play the Yellow Jackets and bring 20,000 fans because there's so many alums in Atlanta. Uh, but I don't know. That's a tone setter, that and that Kentucky game. And then the Pirate uh, – Goes back to a familiar Pac-10-12 opponent when he was yep. uh, working at Washington State. Goes to Arizona. A lot of people think Jed Fish and that program are on the upswing. I don't know, man. I, I think uh, Mississippi State's going to be pretty tough to beat in that one. Yeah, I, I don't see them losing that game. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean the games don't start till conference play. <laughs> weird, weird things happen. Weird things happen mm. uh, in the desert when you go there. All right iHealth Consulting Mailbag, sponsored by iHealth Consulting. You can get there's two ways to get into the mailbag. We read it every single day. You can tweet to at the Big Spur Pod, or you can uh, go and uh, email us inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. First one coming off the tweet line, Phil. Guys, I know Harbor's likely playing edge or, or tight end or, or touchdown for JC. <laughs> I'm calling him touchdown. Yeah, but given the rest what about linebacker? I mean, if he's a Gamecock, I don't care where Beamer puts him in. I feel like he'd be like the bell of the defense doing a little everything. I don't think he's a defensive player. And that's what you got to ask yourself. And I, I like his defensive clips. But, I mean, maybe he is. I mean, yeah, look, a guy like that, you can't rule him out. But, man, you know. I think you just I, ask him, hey, man, where do you want to play? Where do you want to play? Let's go. What's, what, where's, where, where's the place you want to play? Uh, and, and I think I think it's going to be on offense. I really do. I think that uh, I think he's kind of like Jarrell Adams. Jarrell Adams, when you watch his defensive clips from high school, you're like defensive end. Uh, and then he got to Carolina. They're just like, well, he's just not a defensive guy. 
and, and some guys just aren't. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's uh, the deal there. Gamecock Pastor, who's probably uh, probably the fan of the year so far of the show. You think, Phil? Uh-huh. Yeah, could be. I, I could think, be. I don't think so. Think so. He's, um, he's definitely out front. <laughs> yeah. Two questions, one tweet. How can the staff translate the recruiting momentum and the recruiting momentum into other areas? You mean like winning and stuff? I don't know. Winning winning is what's going to drive momentum as far as your program goes. Uh, on the field stuff, you know, the, the people in the building, um, they have a lot of momentum. Offseason's going well. Everybody's positive, pumped up. Um, recruiting helps, but I've always cautioned against this Gamecock pastor is that there's times when a team will go and have a great summer and recruit well, and everybody kind of maybe inflates their possibilities a little more than they should because, you know, nobody understands or or people kind of lose the fact of, well, yeah, these, these are great recruits. This team's recruiting well, but these guys don't arrive till next year, (laughs) you know, so you got to kind of look at the thing, but I think right now the, um, the Gamecocks uh, do have a lot of good players coming back, and they can have a good year on the field. So, um, I, I think I think I think it's two separate strands of momentum, uh, and I think that on-field play can facilitate the recruiting momentum easier than recruiting can facilitate it on the field. But it all goes into positive energy. Uh, and he says, and how does the staff balance positivity about the future coming from outside the locker room with a focus on the present within the locker room? Well, look, man. South Carolina's recruiting a lot of good players, but but I, I've, I've said this before too, Gamecock Pastor. This is the year, okay? Yeah. This is not a situation maybe like in 06 where Spurrier is trying to kind of still build the roster, right? Uh, and you look and, you know, you're out there maybe playing and you're like, well, everybody just wants Cliff Matthews to get here. Everybody wants Steven Garcia to get here. You know, everybody wants Brian Maddox to get here at running back to take my job. That's not the case with this 2022 team. This this is a golden opportunity, thanks to the transfer portal, thanks to the COVID red shirts. You know, the, South Carolina's got a good setup. Uh, so no, no, no. So so in this situation, I don't think anybody's going to be sitting there inside the locker room worried about what comes outside the locker room, because uh, I don't think it's it's a year where you just go, oh. Well, Maybe we didn't win today, but boy, we got help coming. I know. I think there's a window for this season. Now, Mm -hmm. 2023, 2024, we'll see what happens. Those could be building years, like maybe like last year, record wise or whatever. But uh, I think this is a big opportunity uh, for the Gamecocks this coming season. Um, So the mailbag also could be fed into the actual inbox here inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. And Belmont chimes in. We love Belmont. Good morning, JC and Phil. After the big recruiting momentum of the weekend and high school football kicking off for most, one caught my eye. Saw Jaden Davis threw for 350 yards and five touchdowns Friday night, with Chris Peel being on the receiving end of three of them, totaling 150 yards. Yes, it was against Legion Academy, but are we sure Peel is a corner first at the next level? Yeah, everything I've heard is that he is, but, you know, look at kind of the competition level. Eh, I don't know. Also, what are the chances Davis gets excited about the Gamecocks again if Reno reclassifies? And what positions Collier projected to play? Judge Collier is supposed to be a safety. I don't think the Gamecocks have any shot at Jaden Davis unless something crazy happens. Um, um, you know, and I'm not reading too much of those stats. I, I like Chris Peel as a corner, uh, but, you know, he could play receiver, just like Vakari Swain, same way. 
Yeah. Um, but the Gamecocks keep an eye on them with Chris Peel because uh, for a long time people thought, hey, this guy's going to Georgia. I don't know. Georgia may be filling up. So, Hale McGranahan always kind of seems like the Gamecocks are, are way in it with Peel. So, um, you know, keep your eye on that because Hale keeps up with it very, very close. Uh, Kevin says, uh, JC and Phil is a Gamecock football fan. I think we're cautiously optimistic. A winning record appears to be within reach. Of course, change things, things change week to week. But looking at the six games prior to the bye week, it seems like in golf terms, a 4-2 record will be a birdie. 3-3 three and three is a bogey. Is there par? Of course, we want to win the SEC. I want an SEC win, but total wins is also important. Post-Kentucky game, three wins is a bogey, meaning lost opportunity. Four wins, a birdie. Can you see anything that's par? I don't. No, I think you're right. I, you know, uh, three and three would be, yeah, because that would mean an 0 and 3 start most likely in the SEC. Yeah, in conference, yeah, and that's a missed opportunity, I think, yeah. Yeah. Last thought is week one, sort of an odd trap game with two big SEC contests to follow. I think if it weren't the opener, you'd be a little bit more concerned about it. Like, let's say let's say South Carolina open with like, oh, let's just pull a team. Furman. And I just use Furman as an example. Interesting. And, and <laughs> they beat beat and they beat Furman pretty good. And then you got Georgia State the next week. <laughs> and then you got Arkansas and Georgia. Yeah. I, you know, that would be but it's the opener. It's at night. It's the debut for a lot of players. A lot of people have been looking forward to see. I don't. I don't see an issue with the Gamecocks getting up for the game. Um, Georgia State's just a good football team, so it scares you. I mean, yeah. that's the bottom line. Like I said, it's like playing App State in certain years. East Carolina, UAB. You know, a really good group of five teams. Yeah, it's uh, not a trap, that. but it's definitely not a gimme. You're right. And that was Bates West Kevin chiming in on the. Uh, I held consulting mailbag. All right. Boy, it's flown by, Phil, really. Yeah, I hope everybody else's Monday is flying by as quickly as ours is. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> so, okay, we'll uh, we'll take a break. We'll get back with Whittle, and he'll talk, you know, Monty Lee. He's going to talk some football, basketball, jack-of-all-trades. Uh, my guy, John Whittle from TheBigSpur.com, making his debut on Inside the Gamecocks, the show, right after these messages. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Hey man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fees low too. So I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, do you have 843 699 1001 is Matt's contact number. 
Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I'm getting on that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington, half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar is spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email is on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Let's say you need catering. You need a food truck. You just need to get some delicious food to feed some people. Nana's Porch is the place for you. I've known Chris, the owner, for years now. Uh, They helped with the Big Spur Golf Tournament, uh, catering it. It was delicious. I highly encourage you uh, to go visit nanasporch.com. That's nanasporch.com right now uh, to take a look at their services, their menu items, everything you may need for your event, the professionalism, the food, the taste. Uh, it's unrivaled uh, in this space. 336-259-7550 is the phone number. Or again, Go to nanasports.com. Uh, we talk about them all the time. They uh, sponsor the chat line here on the podcast, but uh, wanted to tell you about it right here, straight from JC. Tell them JC sent you, uh, and please support this Gamecock-owned and operated business. Also a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Welcome back, everybody, to the final half hour of the show today. And what a way to end it off. John Whittle from TheBigSpur.com making his debut on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. John, how are you doing, man? I'm doing awesome. Appreciate you guys having me on. Awesome. Happy to have you. We've been asking all of our uh, guests this, and uh, most of our guests cover the sport, I guess, and go through the preseason. You ever hit the preseason wall where it's just like – can't uh, can't really, you know, don't really have an appetite for practice anymore and just kind of ready for the games to get here. And uh, I don't know, it used to happen to me around this time. And uh, we've been talking about it here on the show. What, what about your uh, preseason wall? Do you ever hit something like that? 
Usually, usually, but I, I will say this year is a little bit different. It, it might be the the anticipation of, of the season in terms of you know just South Carolina related and, and not just college football related. But you know, I, I think there's a just a genuine excitement out out there for for folks, and you know that has has rubbed off on on me a little bit in terms of just wanting to provide the coverage because you know the folks out there are, are wanting to see it. Uh, I also think a little bit is credit to, to USC and how they've structured um, the practices and when we can see practice, when we have media availabilities and, and so forth. I think they've done a, a nice job in, in that. So I, I think that that's been helpful too. But uh, usually hit, hit a little preseason wall, but but that hadn't come just yet. That's outstanding and, and good to know. I, I, I think mine's more of a function of my own impatience. I'm like, ah, it's play already. I'm ready for some football, you know. And the fact that I don't like NFL preseason anymore. I I, I used to get up for that. Man, I, I just uh, I just I don't care. I'm like, these games don't even count, blah, 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 blah. Uh John, you just got mm-hmm. back from the uh from taking in the Monty Lee press conference. Uh I know this is big news uh for the Carolina baseball program. Uh you cover it like nobody else. Uh just kind of your uh, impressions of the presser and some things he had to say. And um, then also in general, how, how's he going to impact uh, what should be a really big season for Mark Kingston and Gamecock baseball? Yeah, absolutely. And they, they had to move that press conference over to zoom uh, today. Uh, Mark Kingston has, uh, has COVID tested positive. For COVID. Oh. So, huh. so uh, we, we did it via zoom and in, in, instead. So, uh, you know, we, uh, but we spent about, almost 45 minutes uh, with Monty uh, to, to be honest with you. And, you know, I, I thought he was really good. You know, he's, he's always been really good uh, from, from a media standpoint, always gives great detail and answers to questions. So, you know, we talked, talked a little bit about the transition and, you know, what, what he uh, hopes to do here, kind of his role. And of course we, we taught the, the Clemson element a, a little bit and, and uh, you know what he wants to do offensively, recruiting wise, and, and that sort of thing. So, uh, re- really detailed, really informative. Um, but you know, some of his offensive philosophy stuff kind of, kind of was, was interesting to me. And I'm I'm working on that as we as we speak, or well, after before we spoke and after we speak uh, for for the site. Uh, but he he was talking about you know, understand players ha- understanding whether they're a deer or whether they're a buffalo. And playing like that, uh, huh. so I, I thought I thought that was that was uh, interesting analogy. So you know, is is goes back to you know what what I've talked about on the site over the last few years when when South Carolina has been struggling offensively is you know figure out what you do well and and do that and and not try to be something that you're not. And you know, that's kind of what Monty was was talking about there. I I was going to ask, uh, you know, since we're talking about money and you mentioned recruiting, what impact does he have on in-state recruiting from, you know, his standpoint, previous experience and stuff? Yeah, absolutely. You know, he's he's been in the state since he started coaching. You know, he he was started out at Spartanburg Methodist in the JUCO ranks and, you know, obviously came to South Carolina, then Charleston, then Clemson. So his and, and was born and raised in Lugolf. So, you know, his roots are here. He's. He's got such great relationships here, such great contacts here. Uh, everybody in this state just feels so good about about Monty and, and the kind of person that he is. So, you know, he he instantly gives South Carolina a lot of in-state credibility, whereas 
no, it ne- hasn't necessarily been here as much here lately. You know, you bring in a guy like Mark Kingston who who had no roots here, uh, and he hires a staff who who really you know didn't have have much here apart from Stuart Lake, and you know he can only do so much in his in in what was a volunteer role for him at the time. But uh, you know, Monty's got relationships in the state like almost no other, so he'll. He'll, he'll be great out there on the road from an in-state standpoint for sure. Yeah, that's positive. That's where it all starts. And I, I know, you know, a, a lot of folks that are, are kind of our hardcore baseball fans around Carolina, they, they 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 maybe would like to see a little bit more in-state talent on the roster. I don't know. I think some people make a huge deal out of it. Some people don't. But, it, you know, we'll see sort of uh, – how things go uh, with there, but it, it it does it did seem you know to me this seems like a whole lot of like, for lack of a better term, love. Uh, it, you know, you, to hear Monty Lee talk about the program and the banners and the stadium and, and all that. I mean, you, you can kind of tell uh, Whittle that he's thrilled to death uh, to be back at South Carolina. Yeah, I, I would agree with that statement. You know, he's uh, here for a lot of years, real comfortable here. Um, you know, has always appreciated this place. And, you know, when, when he was up there at Clemson, the relationship between the two schools was, was always good. Um, you know, and I, I think there has always been a, a lot of respect there from, from him, even at Clemson towards South Carolina. So, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I do think he enjoys being back in, in the place where, where he sort of grew up and Lugos 20 minutes, 25 minutes up the road. And, and, uh, you know, he spent a lot of great years here and, and set a nice foundation for, for uh, South Carolina to, to win championships. So, you know, he, he recruited several of those guys who, who played a big role for the Gamecocks on, on those teams. And, and uh, you know, so he's always had, a, had a, a soft spot for the Gamecocks, even when he was not here. Talking with John Whittle uh, from TheBigSpur.com. Uh, uh, I'm going to let you take a shot at our poll question today, John. Uh, which true freshman, this is football, will have the biggest impact in 2022, right? Nick Emanuare, Xavier Short, Anthony Rose, Landon Sampson, Stone Blanton, or other? Hmm. It's uh, I, I would I would go with Nick, Nick Emanuare. I would imagine he's leading the – the poll question by a fair amount. Yeah, he is. <laughs> I'm not really. I'm not. I'm not going out on 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 too thin of a limb there. But you know, I'll, I I will go as far as saying it wouldn't shock me at all to see him in the starting lineup by the end of the year either. Really? Uh, you know, yeah. He he's been he's been really good, re- really really good uh, the the entire time, and he already brings in some some real size and physicality. So I it wouldn't shock me a bit to see him. You know, midway through the season. Uh, earn his way into the starting lineup in some capacity. And to give people uh, some hope, you know, uh, freshman safety coming in, and then, then you don't really – maybe maybe you wouldn't have to worry about depth at that position uh, for the first time in 10 years uh, heading down the road. It's, it's every year it's like, eh, they're thin at safety again. That <laughs> was just baffling to me. I just – you know, anyway. Uh, so, you know, you mentioned kind of the, the, the confidence around Columbia. For those that aren't in Columbia right now, uh, what's different about the field? Um, and you did go through this a little bit, but but is it really, you know, kind of something you could feel around town right now? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to put 
uh, emotion into like a tangible in, into a tangible deal. But, you know, just being out at practice and seeing seeing the way that the team moves and, and the way that the, the way that coaches are coaching, just kind of the demeanor of, of, of everything. And, and that's, you know, all, on the field, on, on the practice field, you know, you get you get outside of, of that and, you know, you talk about what you hear on the on the talk shows on, on the radio or just interacting with people around town or just going into a restaurant and seeing a few more Carolina shirts than than, you know, what it feels like you have typically seen, you know, uh, maybe not last year, but the, the previous couple of years before that, you know, it's it's just little things like that that are you know, really kind of difficult to measure, but you know, the, the more that you're around it, the more you kind of notice it and, and just kind of understand that there's a little bit more excitement uh, around here. You, you, there's, there's more conversation on our message board, people starting more topics about the football program, or, you know, there, there's more likes and retweets on, on the, on the football, uh, you know, Twitter page or, or more likes on the Instagram page than usual. I mean, it's just a, a little bit more of, of everything. I, I think that you, you kind of notice is, is, is you pay a little bit more attention. Now, uh, you know, people can have all the intangibles they want, but as we all know, it sometimes comes down to players. Uh, and you mentioned being out at practice, seeing how they move around. Uh, is there a difference with, with this group? Uh, compared to the previous few years in your opinion physically um, yeah i mean you you look at you look at them and 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 you see some of these freshmen who have come in and they just look more sure of themselves and you know maybe that's maybe that's because they're better maybe it's because of the work that they were able to do with the coaches not only in the spring but also in the summer you know, I, I think that that's helpful. That that's not something. I mean, that's something that every team's been able to do, right? Is is have their be out there on the field with their coaching staffs in the in the summer. But I so I think that'll just just uh, make more quality football, uh, college football. Period. You know, once early in the season, once the season gets going, I, I think you'll see teams that are a little bit further along. But you know, I, I just think from a uh, a physicality standpoint and a, a depth standpoint and you know you're you're looking at different positions and looking at different guys and you know it, last year I mean it's and clearly evident at wide receivers like okay well who are you going to put out there to make yeah. plays and then but this year you're asking kind of the same question just in a different way it's like all right well you've got so many well who who are you going to put out there to make plays and, and who's gonna who's gonna do it how are you going to spread it all around so it's kind of the same question, but a completely different feel for that question. So, you know, I, I mean, I, I think those are some of some of the biggest things that that uh, that you kind of look or kind of notice when you're out at practice. That it's just a, a little bit different or a lot different, you know, from from the last couple of years. Speaking with John Whittle from TheBigSpur.com, uh, about to wrap it up. Uh, gonna got to throw a third sport at you, man, since you're the jack of all trades. Um, you know, basketball, this team, uh, you know, I think it's a little bit of a mystery as, as to kind of exactly what they have um, because of some injuries to a couple of guys. I mean, they're not going to be they're very deep, kind of thin roster-wise, to be honest. Uh, but Gigi Jackson's there, and uh, I know you've talked about it on the thebigspur.com a little bit, like, and I think the big question everybody has is, well, okay, you got Gigi, right? So who else? <laughs> and you, you get like 10 different answers. So, you know, tell our folks out here that uh, that listen to the show, you kind of what you're hearing about that and kind of some guys that uh, everybody needs to keep an eye on in, in addition to Gigi Jackson this season. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great question, and we're, we're still trying to figure out some of those answers right now. But, you know, it's uh, – you some of the guys that I've heard the most positive returns on so far are Hayden Brown, the transfer from the Citadel, who is – who, who's been in college basketball for a long time. He, he's an old guy and been through it and, you know, knows his strengths, knows his weaknesses. And he's played, uh, you know, even though he played at the Citadel and was, you know, in the SoCon week in and week out, they played a lot of challenging opponents, non-conference, you know, over the course of his career. So he knows a little bit of what to expect. You know, he's played in Cameron Indoor and, and, and gone out there and had a really good game against Duke before, you know, it's going to be a new challenge for him, you know, playing in the SEC week in and week out, but, you know, he also knows he also knows who he is and how to play. Uh, you know, there's there's been a lot of positive positivity around him. There's been a lot of positivity around uh, Michi Johnson, the transfer from from Ohio State at, at the point guard position. And, you know, he, he's done a really nice job there kind of leading the team. But, you know, he's also a guy who can knock down a shot, too. So, uh, you know, re- really like him. Chico Carter has been probably the guy returning who I've who I've gotten the most positive returns on, uh, you know, he's, he's off the ball now, you know, last year he, he uh, transferred in and and they had him, you know, at point guard for the, for the most part. And now he's, he's off the ball and, and doing what he does best, which is shooting and scoring. So he's, he's much more comfortable uh, doing what he's doing now than, than he was. Um, you know, you gotta, you gotta look at, you, but there's got to be more than that, right? Like there's got to be other guys who who have to step up. I, Josh Gray is a guy who I who I kind of circle, who I would really like to see a, a lot more from. And, and and Lamont Paris talked about him, and you know he doesn't necessarily look like he would fit into Lamont Paris's style, you know, all that well just from how Lamont wants to play, having guys who can who can uh, you know spread the floor and 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 make a shot if the guy's playing off of him. Uh, he's gonna. He's more of a back to the basket kind of kind of post player, but you know they can figure out a, a role for him, especially if he's one of the top five, six, seven guys on, on the team. But he he can provide uh, some rebounding ability and and, and a, a presence in the paint. And you know he he can work on he can he can uh, do some pick and roll and and post up a little bit. So you know there there's a role for him, but you know there there's gonna have to be guys who step up. You mentioned losing. Uh, Abrima Deba, uh, Ebo, they call him, um, you know, he's out for the year and and he was, you know, I was told he was probably one of the top three players, three, maybe four players on the roster. So losing him's a big deal, but, you know, they're, they're all still trying to figure it out and piece it together a little bit. But I, I do know that Lamont likes the, the group that he has. He had another scholarship uh, available uh, to give out, but couldn't find the right guy and really just kind of likes his team and wants to roll with what he's got. That's, I was going to ask you about that. What about the extra scholarship? Or we're just going to sit on it? Was he happy with it, or trying to get a, a late last minute ad? <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't look like they're going to be able to 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 do that. Now, what they'll be able to do is is uh, you know have that at the mid year, and if there's a guy who wants to 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 reclass and come in early, kind of like a Trayvon Minot did, uh, kind of like uh, Michi Johnson did at Ohio State, then. You know they'll have that scholarship available if if there's somebody who who wants to do that, or if you know somebody's left their school for whatever reason um, and and is looking for a new spot. You know they can they can bring bring in a bring in a guy from another school from the transfer portal 
Uh, not that that person would be able to play, but, you know, they can go ahead and get in here and get to work. So, you know, there's that's probably what's going to end up happening. I would say probably 95 percent chance now that that scholarship ends up being held um, until until the semester break or, or even until uh, in, until next year but or, or next off season. But, um, you know, they, they still have a couple more days uh, to, to get guys here and, and into classes. So I, I can't completely rule it out, but it doesn't sound like there's anything uh, that's happening along those lines right now. All right, John Whittle from TheBigSpur.com. Thanks for joining us today, man. I know that's not the last time uh, we will have you on. <laughs> You're good. So I did okay then? Yeah, I did great. Yeah, perfect. You, uh, you, passed the, you passed the test there, man. It was great. It was great. Um, so, uh, yeah, we appreciate it, man. And uh, certainly uh, uh, keep up the good work, and we'll uh, talk with you really soon. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Thanks. John Weddle from TheBigSpur.com. Like I said, not the last time he'll join us. Really good stuff with all three sports, Phil. That's uh, – it's hard. It's hard man, to do all three. To cover all yeah. that, man. I know. <laughs> it's hard to cover all three, uh, but, but he does it somehow. I, and, you know, when you cover college sports these days because of recruiting and because of the off season and, and everything that goes with it. I mean, you're, you're, it's not something where you're just disengaged. I mean, yeah, you're right. out of season, you have so much summer practice, you have, you have fall ball and baseball. I mean, uh, it's unbelievable, but you know, Hey, I've worked with Whittle for 15 years now, man. And there's, there's not a many people better on the planet to work with than, than old John Whittle. All I right. Love his work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Finishing up on inside the game packs, the show on Monday, August 22nd. Uh, again, uh, I want to remind you uh, that uh, our guest line is brought to you by Meredith Taylor golf. Go to McKellarenterprises.org uh, and see what she's up to. We talked to her last week. We'll talk to her again this Friday, uh, just about golf, your swing. You can get in the chat room and our chat box and ask her questions. She's also going to talk Gamecock football uh, college football, uh, really enjoyed the segment with Meredith, uh, last week and she does sponsor our guest line. So go to McKellarEnterprises.org, Take a look at what she's got to do, going on, what she's got to offer when she's, she, when she gets really rolling with it, uh, she'll talk about it here on the show on a Friday, but got a, uh, got to really uh, appreciate her. Uh, hour number two brought to you by the Burgesson team at Remax at the Lake, uh, Commercial real estate agent, really one of the best ever uh, in as far as the state of South Carolina goes and, uh, you know, getting uh, all that stuff in line. If you're interested in that, please check the ad in our show. Walter Subject, which I think it's awesome that somebody's Walter Subject. It's a great name. I've got a garden gnome of Walter. <laughs> I'll bring it up here tomorrow. <laughs> one, of the, one of the most iconic characters in the history of cinema. This is what you're killing your father, Larry. <laughs> it's a good day to you, sir. Good day to you, sir. Anyway, uh, Walter goes 15 and 0. He's like, I'm just worried about playing Alabama twice in Atlanta and in the championship because it can be hard to beat the same team twice. <laughs> Walter, I love you, but sooner or later, you're going to have to realize. You're- <laughs> <laughs> Walter, I didn't like. Have you ever heard of Vietnam, Larry? Vietnam, Larry? <laughs> We're in a place called Vietnam. Craig says hiring Monty Lee is kind of like Paris hiring Carrie Rich. 
I know the captain was never a coach, but the in-state recruiting, they're both huge. That's true. That's true. And there's, you know, there's been guys in, in other sports that go back and forth. I, I really like actually wanted, uh, I thought if Lamont Paris could hire Steve Smith from Florida State, former Clemson uh, basketball mm-hmm. assistant, it may be something good, but uh, it didn't come to fruition. There's a little bit of interest there, but uh, there have been people that have coached at both places. Brad Scott's obviously one of the most notorious ones, but you know, Clyde Wren, who is still on staff at South Carolina, was up at Clemson under Danny Ford. Ellis Johnson coached at Clemson in South Carolina. Uh, there is a list, uh, and, and this won't be the last time somebody goes back and forth. It's a little different when it's a head coach, uh, but, hey, you know, you do have the Brad Scott thing uh, to, to go to there. Uh, I'm not reading that, Elizabeth. Uh, and Brian goes, John's the man. So there we go as we wrap up. Today's very good episode. Yeah, Elizabeth just points out, you know, that uh, Lee Monty Lee's probably not going to save Mark Kingston, uh, in his opinion or her opinion. So, um, yeah, so I'm, I wasn't trying to shut down any any discussion, but you know, I I get that Mark Kingston has to win, and I understand that. And I, I have folks, I have you know, even, even in talking to Whittle and looking at the roster, I have, I have no guarantee it's going to happen. In fact, you know, I mean, the SEC is brutal. I don't, I don't know. Um, but when your assistant coach leaves and you can replace it with Monty Lee, you're the, you're the University of South Carolina, uh, I think it's a no-brainer. I think it would have been a bigger red flag or a big red flag. Not, I, mean, I don't think it's a red flag at all, but but I think had Mark Kingston not, like, said, no, thank you. I don't I don't, want, I don't need Monty Lee's help. I didn't need his help. You know? We're just going to hire somebody from, you know, somewhere else. You know, this, this guy was coaching sixth grade baseball, you know, Dixie youth. He won a championship. We'll, we'll bring him in. <laughs> yeah, I think for immediate impact, though, it's the right guy. I mean, Monty's I think so, guy. too. And I and I, I don't know. Yeah, hey, if there is a new head coach and Monty Lee hadn't found his way back to head coaching circles. I mean, whoever the new head coach is would be pretty dumb not to keep him. Mm-hmm. Um, depending and you know baseball staffs work a lot they're a lot different than football staffs because there's different levels of what you can get paid and all this other stuff so um you know it's not like somebody from another school can just automatically take their three assistants and roll uh with it because sometimes those other school positions you know you, you'll promote from within there or like the guy that was the part-time uh volunteer coach, the volunteer coach gets paid, but maybe he goes to the full-time slot with the new coach. You know, baseball, there's just, my point is there's a lot of things that can happen because uh, those coaching positions in that sport, along with the roster and everything else, just so, it's so set up differently, fundamentally. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just different in baseball. But good to talk to Little about all three sports. Uh, good discussion today for the Nana Sports chat line, chat box. Uh, I guess we'll have – who do we have on tomorrow, Phil? Okay, looking ahead to tomorrow, we are going to be joined by uh, oh, Trey Biddy is going to be right at the top of the show talking ah, about some Razorbacks. Trey Biddy <laughs> from Arkansas 247 uh, jumping in on the uh, uh, Meredith Taylor guest line tomorrow. And so. then, of course, we'll have our mental edge with the uh, Sawyer Knicks right after that at 1130. Oh. Wow, so nothing but guest first hour tomorrow. Yeah, big hour of us just sitting around talking. Yeah, much. Yeah. Ask me questions. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. 
Oh, by the way, tomorrow, for those of you in Columbia, I think it's around 7 a.m., 7 to 8. Uh, this season, uh, or for the foreseeable future, I guess, I will be co-hosting the early game on 107.5 The Game with Bill Gunner on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, I think some of those days you'll have Jamie Bradford, and then Tuesdays and Thursdays you'll have me as we get in and, 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 and co-host with uh, WG, who's the man. Um, so you can look forward to that. Also, the morning monologue uh, and everything else we bring you here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Don't forget, you can always get this if you missed the show today in podcast format on Spotify, Audible, Apple, which used to be iTunes. I looked at the numbers the other day. We're kind of like a 91% Apple audience right now. <laughs> 91%. And then the rest of you like Spotify. So it'll all be good. For Phil Molinax, J.C. Sherbert, this has been Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Thanks to all that have participated today. We'll be back tomorrow as we continue to count down towards football season right here on the show. <laughs>